The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is Tyler Cook, joined by Tony Payne and the man, the myth, the legend, John Sestina. How are you guys? It's another great day for financial planning. We're having fun. It's time to manage to be wealthy. That's it. <laughs> As usual, we've got a jam-packed show, a lot of a lot of different things to talk about. We'll get into some current events here. There, there's always something, seems these days, too, just to touch base on with what's going on in the world. Uh, but the gist of the show will be more oriented towards insurances. And I know that can sound kind of boring to start, but there's a lot of really important things here when you get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of these insurances. And what I'm talking about is life insurance, long-term care, planning, and insurance. And if we have time at the end, we'll get into some disability insurance topics. Uh, we so better cover that one. That's a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. And I think uh, people tend to overlook these things or there's there's a there's a theme that if you work for a large employer that you may be covered, things are taken care of, they have great benefits packages, but there's a lot of gaps that we find. And so we'll, we're going to dive into that and, and talk about some tips and th- things you should be looking at in terms of what types of insurance are appropriate for you because the other side of what we've seen, and John, you've seen this since the 70s, but over the years, a lot of investment products are now commingled with insurance products. And it's created a lot of confusion for the consumer. And so now our, our job is to filter through a lot of that fluff and, and legalese and, and really get down to brass tacks about what actually is important, right, in terms of the definitions and what you're actually buying. Because in the insurance world, people are often sold the product versus them purchasing the product. So we'll get into a lot of tips and, and uh, some guides and some some things to be aware of with, with insurance. So uh, before that, let's just talk about what's going on in the world. There's nothing going on, right? No, nothing, nothing happening. I didn't notice nothing. anything, did you? <laughs> no, you know, it's a it's, uh, lot going on. And I think from that perspective, too, there's a lot of things that are moving the needle in terms of headlines. And we'll go through a few of these things, but I want to encourage everybody to keep perspective in mind as we're talking through this, right? Think long-term, but we like to talk about current events because it is relevant. It does get the headlines, and uh, specifically with the U.S. economy, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, uh, how that impacts global trade, what's going on in China. I mean, there's so many different things that's happening in real estate. So starting with the first one, and it's a question we're getting a lot, guys, is is are we in a recession? So, John, let me start with you. Are we in a recession? Let's see. What's the definition of a recession? Two, the textbook definition is two uh, quarters, consecutive uh-huh. quarters of negative GDP. And the first quarter this year was? Negative one something. And the one we're in is? I I think it's, well, we just passed, but I think it is negative. Yes, it's negative. <laughs> so I would say, yes, we're in a recession. That's, so that's interesting because that's my perspective as well, right? I think we're already in it, right? But we're waiting for the stats to come out in wow. August to actually officially say that. But when you look at some commentary, some from large companies out there, Vanguard being one in particular that does a lot of different things on on economic market updates and things like that, uh, their probability of recession is still maybe a little more uh, optimistic, I think, than what maybe I feel personally. But they're saying in the next 12 months that the U.S. there's a 25% chance in the next 12 months of a recession, and in the next 24 months, a 65% chance. Hmm. Now, the word next is important, right? Because this, this publication came out about a week ago, early 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 July. And so the word next could be like the next day, right? Right. <laughs> there's a little buffer for their analysis, but... 
you know, I, it's just what we see, the people we talk to, clients all over the country, you know, I, I just can't help but think we're already in the recession. Well, you go to the grocery store, you know you're in a recession. Forget the gas tank. Uh, but just anything at the grocery, it costs you a fortune today. Yeah. It's, you know, there's a lot of tout right now about prices coming down right on the, on the pump, but it's still what? Double what it was this time last year. Yeah, it's two dollars more than it was when uh, he took presidency. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of headwinds too. And what the Fed's doing probably next week, another rate hike coming. Tony, what do you think there, Mister Professor? <laughs> we'll have more coming after that too, probably. More I mean, what? More rate hikes. Oh, okay. I mean, the idea of the Fed raising rates and interest rates going up for savers—it's not such a bad deal. You see a little bit higher interest on your savings account. Bond yields are a little higher, but the cost for businesses is a lot more expensive. The cost for homeowners and new borrowers, that's more expensive. So there's give and take where in some areas it's going to slow things down, these higher rates. You bet. Well, in fact, we know China is a major holder of government treasuries. And uh, what did they do? They slipped down to $800 million? Yeah, so actually that's kind of one of the a fun factors. So it, historically, uh, China has been the number one holder of U.S. debt, but that's now shifted, and it's now Japan. Right. So just last month, that, that changed. Actually, a couple months ago, these reports are a little delayed when they actually show the information. But um, when, we, when you look at who holds the most U.S. debt, China has fallen below the $1 trillion level for the first time since 2010. So they typically ha held right around that. Now it's $980 billion, John. So people say, well, isn't that good that uh, China doesn't own as many bonds? The answer is, well, yeah, but the problem is now the Treasury or anyone who wants to try to sell one probably can't sell it at the price you hoped you would be able to sell it. Because the rates are going up. That's right. That's right. Yep. I, I was surprised. Though. I did not know. You probably knew this, Mr. Payne, but the, that, that uh, Japan was next in line there. They're good friends, good allies, right. good friends, good trading partners, and, and yes, very stable, developed economy. I mean, John, I don't know if this is me going down conspiracy lane or not, uh -oh. but you know, <laughs> you, you see how Russia was isolated on global financial markets. I mean, some would say China's diversifying away from the U.S., so if something ever were to happen, they're less dependent upon us paying them back. Because obviously, if we went into conflict, we're not going to pay those bonds, and it's not going to break the bond covenants. So it's interesting they may be planning ahead and just diversifying more. Is that too much, John? No, I don't think that's too much. They're, the Chinese have been very uh, planning-oriented, and they're thinking way down the road, like we try to get our investors and clients to do. So uh, they are, in fact, doing it. What do they have, a 100-year plan? And so if they're You're looking right. at that far down the road, these uh, short-term ups and downs, they, they see opportunities. It makes sense. It makes sense. And if they can control the financial markets a little more, that helps them. I think so. Well, speaking of global issues like China and so forth, there's no been no uh, shortage of stories about the chip shortage, right? Went from vehicles to other things, um, and some recent updates too. There is that the global chip shortage is not anywhere near to being. No, we're not going complete. to Las Vegas, <laughs> Tyler. Not those chips. <laughs> not the uh, yes. <laughs> semiconductors. That's it. Oh, okay. The little things in your from phone. Your phone and, to your yeah. car to Go your appliances. On. Yeah, all over the place, I right? So to, the uh, things no one can get. You mean? Yeah, correct. Yes, and that that shortage doesn't seem to be uh, coming to a you know slow down any, anytime soon. Right. Usually when we think about commodities and a commodity supply shortage, we're thinking about grain or flour, something like that. I mean, now we're talking about commodities like krypton and neon and when you look at the supply chain these raw ingredients they're there in the chips and the places they come out of russia ukraine well supplies have slowed down i mean this one makes a lot of sense actually right 
you can't get the raw ingredients, it's going to be hard to produce at the factory. I mean, it's hard to look at the images of what's happened to Ukraine and believe there's any place they can have any industry. Uh, we know right? that their ports are black, jammed up because we won't send or get uh, a national security, what's it called, where we can put ships down there and run it through channels so that stuff can come out. But if they can't grow the wheat because the field is all bombed. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to export the... There goes my whole wheat bread. Right, right. And that, and that may not affect us, but the developed world especially, I mean, what you're saying, John, really matters. Yes. Yeah, so there, I mean, there's a lot of headwinds globally that are impacting us here back in the States. So chip shortages, what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, uh, what's what's going on in China, obviously, with their zero COVID policies. Um, and I think you're starting to see some of the, the cooling off here in the States. And, and you've seen recently, too, that even new construction has fallen. Right, the new starts in construction here in the in the United States uh, has fallen from their June highs, and that's I think partly because of what's going on with rising rates and what happens to mortgages at the back end of that. Um, my own Tyler indicator is I drive my son to daycare every morning, and I go past a park, okay. and this park is beautiful area. There's nobody. There's a house backs up to it. Nobody there but the park. No, you know, very few neighbors, and there's been a for sale sign in the yard now for three weeks. No, I can go better than that. I have a neighbor across the street <laughs> for sale for a month. Yeah, so I, I think we've that's my indicator to say yeah. we've hit peak real estate. All right. Because <laughs> it would have been, you know what, two to three days maybe turnaround time. Maybe if it hit the market. Just a couple months ago. Oh, so darn. So I sold, should have sold earlier. That's it. You missed oh, it, John. Okay, I did it again. We'll get into the meat of the show with life insurance, disability, and long-term care. When we get back, you're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, Tony Payne, and John Sestina with you today. So we'll get right into the meat of the discussion today, guys, on the insurance topics. And we'll start with, I think, one that's pretty easy to understand from the... from. Uh, an overall perspective, which is life insurance, right? It's either you're you're here or you're not, right? In far as far as payments, in terms of what type of policy you would buy, but there's a lot of specifics and a lot of nuances that go in with this decision about insurance and life insurance and what type you need. We won't get too much into the different types today, but more about how do you evaluate whether or not you need it, because I think there's uh, a lot of confusion about first of all, do I need it? Second of all, how much? But there's some tough conversations that have to happen, and I think if for any married couple or uh, in that scenario where you're trying to think of what life might be like if it's just one of you here, first of all, nobody wants to talk about that, right? which is understandable. But that's half the battle is just having that conversation. Uh, so in our case, you know, we, we're talking about this at least annually uh, with our group. But I think from that standpoint, too, it's life changes in the blink of an eye. And we've all seen it personally. It does. And the, also just a quick little insert warning here. The life insurance seems straightforward, and it is. I mean, if you're dead, they pay, hopefully. But there are so many policies now that have contingencies. I mean, it's possible you can die and not qualify to get the receipts. Yeah. You know, it used to be we'd talk about suicide, for example, and that was a big one. But there are still some others, and there's so much advertising for this stuff now. Please be aware of what you're buying. Great warning. Yep. Great headline there in terms of the specifics because you can get lost in the weeds. And then I think emotions get involved, especially if there's somebody who's trying to sell you life insurance. And you're, as I said earlier, you're not purchasing it, but you're being sold something. So if you're, if it's coming, if you're, it's kind of like, like a real estate transaction. I always tell people, think about people that are involved in buying a house. 
what's their incentive why, to tell you what they're telling you, right? You've got a mortgage broker who's trying to sell a loan. You've got a realtor who's trying to get the highest price to get the biggest commission. Kind of same idea you can apply to life insurance, right? So what's the person that you're talking to? What's their incentive? And if you're talking directly to perhaps a broker or an insurance agent or somebody that's, that's talking to you about a product they have, most of the time they're trying to get the commission on the back end, right, Tony? Yeah. I mean, again, it's unfortunate that there's not a better way that it's accepted. Normally, we write checks or we use our debit card, whatever, when we have a bill we need to pay. But with some of this stuff in the financial industry, they roll it in. And it's not something that may be so transparent. And I think that's what you're getting at, Tyler. You're never really writing a check in most cases to an advisor. They're getting paid from the company that they're selling the product for. So if they're the ones writing the check, they're probably the boss. Or at least that's the way it seems. It's funny because I was uh, helping someone make a decision about insurance. This insurance person made some grandiose proposals and I was trying to review them, and I finally said to the guy, well, how much do you get paid? He said, oh, I don't get paid at all. I said, oh, really? There's no commission. Oh, no, no commission. I said, well, doesn't the insurance company compensate you at all? Oh, yeah, the insurance company does. See, and that's a point. You need to look into this stuff so you're not a sitting duck. Right, because again, just knowing motivations is so important in this, and I know we'll get into some other points about how much you might need and the discussions around that, but the idea of knowing what someone's motivation is is really important. Yeah, and you can apply that across every everything with your financial life, right? That That is not just insurance or the house example I gave, but let's get into some of those specifics on how you actually start to determine, first of all, whether or not you need insurance. So, Tony, what's the, what's the entire point of life insurance? I mean, why does it even exist to begin with? there's usually a need because you're working, you're saving, you're trying to build your nest egg for when you can quit and when you could retire. And if you die along the way, so what? You you were saving, that stops, that goes away. So if you're leaving behind a spouse or debts or children, other goals that you wanted to accomplish, all that money that was gonna come from your income, it's gotta come from somewhere or it's not going to happen. I think that's really the purest reason most people might think of insurance and having it. Yeah, it's it's uh, funding an unfunded goal, right? And typically, yeah, it's yeah, those three things. Yeah, that's a simpler things. way. There you go. Typically, it's those three things, though, right? It's, it's replacing income that's not there anymore, paying off debts, or taking care of you know minor children or children, even even not minors, right? Somebody just wants them to provide for the family. So that's really the focus. It's not really for anything else. It's not for an investment. Watch out for some of these uh, interesting formulations as to how much you need. What is your income? Oh, well, then you need ten times that amount of insurance, right? So those are not accurate. You see those all over blogs everywhere. Yes. Uh, even my daughter's told me now. I, I, I get some information from my almost 13-year-old daughter, if you can Holy that. cow, know, you're know, old John. now. Not Tyler. ready for all this teenage <laughs> stuff. But uh, on TikTok, things like that, there's people giving financial advice on these apps. And it's terrible. I watched a few of these things. And it's absolutely terrible advice. Uh, but you worry about certainly younger generations on TikTok that are learning that for the first time, hearing these things and thinking it's, it's accurate. But, yeah, be, be aware of. Anything that's a certain amount of, you know, this times your income is what you need. That's nothing more than the back of the napkin, like boilerplate answer. It's zero customization to it, and it should not be taken as such. So uh, go ahead, Tony. No, as we get into it, then how do we get away from some of those templates or guessing games? You might think you have one or two times salary from work, and you might think that's enough, but there's much more to it. You know, what does your debt picture look like? What is your spending? You mentioned it. What are the future goals you have? So we start by asking a series of questions really to just try to get you feeling, I guess, what am I going to need? What are my goals? 
You don't know what it's going to be like until you're there, unfortunately, but you could try to plan ahead. Yeah. So a good question is, you know, would you continue to live in your current house? That's a biggie because uh, most often the spouse will say no, which surprised yeah. me. Yeah. But because uh, you would think, oh, yeah, I want to do this. So my uh, spouse can have the house. On the other hand, if there are children, they generally say yes. So the children can enjoy the custom, the customary right. surroundings. And yeah, not have too much change right. through that scenario. Yeah, exactly. Another one was, you know, how long would you like to provide income to your family? Now, I kind of joke with this, but I've, this actually came up years ago in a, in a conversation. Uh, I was a younger couple, and the, the husband said, well, I'm not paying for your future boyfriend, you know? <laughs> so, but seriously, and John, you said this years ago, Tim, I'll never forget it in one of our reviews. You said the likelihood, obviously, if somebody's younger, if somebody passes away when they're, they're younger, there's a high probability that that surviving spouse gets remarried. Right. So that is a real factor. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I this, this person said it joking, but I don't think you want this. <laughs> I've had the other scenario, though, where it's like, I hope you have a lot of fun. I hope you go on a cruise. Hope you get a new, you know, again, everyone's a little different. Yeah. And I think the important part is when you plan ahead, you get control. And control is what we're after, I think. That way your plan is what you want. Oh, it becomes a plan instead of a reaction. Good point. So you're thinking about what is it we want and the person that needs to be answering a lot of those questions is the remaining spouse. Right. And that's why it's so help- helpful, too, if you're on the scenario and you're thinking about maybe I need more life insurance or maybe I can cancel the life insurance I have, that's even a better conversation, um, then it's, it's important that you're both on the same page, right? right. If, you're, if you're married, have that conversation together. It can't be separate and then one person repeats back what the other person said. And you know, For example, if you're talking to an advisor, it's just things get lost in translation, right? So it's really, really important to have both couples there. And you do have to kind of compartmentalize for a second and, and, and envision what life might look like. And that's the hard part, I think, for a lot of people. Um, some some tend to deflect and, and bring in comedy or laughter in, into the conversation just to help them think through that, which is fine. But at some at some point, you really have to back up and say, okay, if I'm not here, you know, what does the day-to-day look like? Who gets the kids to daycare? Do I need it? Is there an extra expense now that one spouse was taken care of from the caregiving side that's now needs to be replaced somewhere else so that surviving spouse can continue to work. That's right. My favorite conversation was the doctor who taught me about having insurance on his spouse because he made tons of money. And uh, so I said, well, we don't need to buy insurance on your wife. And he set me straight. He says, look, I make lots of money, but if I were, if she were to pass, then I have to hire somebody to take care of the children and I'm not going to work as much. So my income is going to go down because I want to spend more time with the children. Complicated questions. And I find doctors, I think maybe it's just their profession, but they tend to be pretty real about those things. Yes. Certainly ER docs. I've talked to a few of those, and they see how fragile life is, and they're, they're willing to go there and, and you know do better for their family because of that for planning purposes. So we'll continue the conversation. We'll get more into long-term care and disability insurance after the break. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, Tony Payne, and John Sestino. And be sure to check out our website. Go to managingtobewealthy.com. Again, managingtobewealthy.com. A lot of great content there at the top right. Click a button that says Take Action and fill out a complimentary uh, questionnaire that will schedule a complimentary consultation with one of our certified financial planners to see if it makes sense to to work together. And we do a lot of different things, Tony. It's, it's funny. We look at this on a daily basis as far as just what we go through. And we do a, a segment on here called The Mailbag sometimes about what's in our inboxes into different things. It just truly amazes me. There's never a dull moment with what we see. And certainly with people reaching out to us and interested in our services, there's always something new. That's why I love what we do because it's always refreshing, right? And you said that years ago, John, I'm looking at you right now. I can remember it 
that's one of the reasons why I got into this all these years ago now. Uh, Tony, well, you've been here 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Holy cow. Yep. Aging. I'm aging 18, right John. I'm right behind him. I thought so. I saw yep. some gray hair. I yeah, oh, I can see I it from over here. It's there. That's 2002. That's 2007 and 8. That's, you know, there's a couple in there. But there's, yeah, a lot of great content on the website. You can learn more about our process and, and how we're unique in what we do with fee-only financial planning. So visit managingtobewealthy.com. And that means we we don't sell anything. We ch- we charge a fee for our services, period, the end. Yep, that no commissions, keeps us pure. No, nothing, no, none of that. That's it. You, you know it. I like transparency. You do? I mean, it, it, yes, oh, I love good. it. It's a great thing. I mean, honestly, you go to an oil change, you know what you're going to pay. It's very transparent. Some of the stuff in the financial world, it's not so transparent. And when you sit with us at the end of that, you're going to know exactly what you're paying, which is, I think is a great thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great segue, Tony, into insurance, because that's often where a lot of confusion comes in. Like you said earlier, people don't know what they're actually paying. And I think over the years, John, we've seen a lot of scenarios with long-term care. Uh, and long-term care insurance specifically, where you know, back in the good old days, uh, yeah. I'll say pre-2008, there were a lot of policies that were issued uh, with, with you know, nursing, nursing home coverage, assisted living, in-home care. That's what we're talking about with long-term care. Uh, but when that recession hit, the Great Recession in 08, it was a rude awakening for a lot of these insurance companies uh, because a lot of the assumptions yeah. that went into pricing the policies were wrong. You know, they thought back then, you know, pre-2008 downturn, you could get 2% on your money market holdings as a business, right? So these insurance companies are running projections just like every other business. And they said, all right, if we get this much money from these people paying premiums, we can assume that we'll make, you know, two to 3% on this money. And then that ultimately ends up dictating what they charge the consumer. You're not insinuating that a lot of those companies went out of business at that time. (laughs) They sure did. And they sure did. And what happened, the ones that stuck around is they've increased their premiums significantly. Right. Um, just had one last week I saw was a 40% increase still from back this is year over year, right? That's, that was just the last year's interval increase of 40%. So what, if you buy long-term care insurance now, one thing that is good about this is the pol- the policies are much more accurately priced today than they were 15 years ago. That is one good thing. The challenge with long-term care insurance, and we'll get into this, it's still new. It's still the, the baby in the room, right? In terms of long-term care versus life insurance and disability insurance. And so the underwriters with long-term care insurance have specifically left the door open to be able to change the rules. Right. And so does that mean, Tyler, are you saying that the premium, once you bought the policy, could change? Sure could. Oh, my goodness. It normally does. <laughs> now, I think if you have an older policy, you're probably more su- uh, susceptible to those changes than new ones. But it's still not, you know, you're still not in the safe zone with, with not having an increase in your premium now. Right. And it's like anything. I mean, you've got to have a plan. Perhaps some insurances are better than no plan, but if you're planning, you may not need insurances. So we're not in the boat of selling or pushing one way or the other, but the idea is if something happens, life throws you that curveball, you're trying to work, and at the same time, you've got a sick spouse or someone who needs care or someone just to stay with them, and you can't be at work the whole time, how do you pay for it? That's what we're really getting at. Yep. And having a plan is important. Yeah, and I would say we, our, it's our starting point, I think, is a, a base scenario would be, okay, do you have enough in your plan to, to absorb this cost yourself? And if the answer is yes, then okay, well, then maybe insurance is not the right thing, and that's, which is great. I love anytime we don't have to buy insurance. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, but if there's a gap or if there's other goals, somebody says, hey, you know what, I want to make sure I leave a million bucks to the kids. And if I have this issue come up, very easily could be a million bucks in cost just over three to five years for these long-term care facilities these days. So um, that would obviously eat into what the kids would inherit in, the, in my example. 
So that's a gap where insurance, you can kind of shift the risk from your own portfolio, your own savings to the insurance company, right? So that, that may be an option, but we always start, Tony, with the fact that let's see if you can do this on your own, right, before we actually loop in an insurance policy. You're right. And I was going to be the meanie for a second and go, who cares about the kids? You save this money for you. Use it for what you need it for. Yeah. But I digress. I digress. We'll back up. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's relevant because uh, people, you know, I, I see it firsthand. I fight it every day, right? Trying not to buy kids everything. But um, <laughs> Steven's, <laughs> Steven's famous for saying, you know, are the kids going to take care of you later, right? If you're doing all this now. Are they going to be there to take care of you on the back end? So, sure, sure. The answer is no. The answer is no, right? <laughs> right. They've moved states. They've had families of their own. They've yeah. got t- teacher, parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. They don't have time to take care of you. They barely yeah. visit you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, here, here's some stats with long-term care recently. And about 70% of people who reach age 65 eventually, eventually will need long-term care. Not insurance, but long-term care giving, right? Care, they need somebody to come in and help or going to a home or assisted living. Um, so a lot of the, the questions that you look at the odds and play the odds and that's what insurance is, right? Any type of insurance, you kind of play in the odds, what you're comfortable with. But, um, I think what you're seeing too now, and I've seen this in my own family is the burden that puts on the family members, right? So right now, then this, this is a recent study that showed this 57% of primary caregivers and 42% of secondary caregivers report dipping into their own funds or retirement to pay for right. their family's needs. Yeah, but a lot of struggle for the family supporters. I mean, uh, there are decisions like which one of us takes care of mom and dad. Right. And who's going to support the cost when we need to buy, well, I don't know, a special bed to put in the living room because they need a hospital bed. And just 100,000 different questions that you don't think about and may or may not be covered by insurance. Excellent point. And I think, too, that this, the, the, the stress uh, – I know a lot of people in this scenario too, and, and they'll never let you see it, right, of what's going on, but it's there. And you, you just hope in some scenarios people aren't dipping too far into those savings and jeopardizing their own retirement and their own futures with what they're trying to do with what's with right in front of them, which is obviously taking care of somebody. So, um, you know, when you talk about this, so how do you pay for the cost, right? So people are paying it out of their own pocket. Let's talk about the insurance for a moment. 57. Age 57, that's the average age when somebody buys a long-term care policy. I'm too late. You're gone. <laughs> You're past the date, 57, yep. So there's a sweet spot there because with any insurance, right, they celebrate your half birthday, right? So every six months, you're a year older in their projections. Our and, birthdays are close together, so I always remind you, Tyler, yes, when we're coming you. up on a half birthday for insurance purposes. That's, so, yes, it's much yeah, appreciated. We, yeah, yeah, we do good you. on that. Yep, we do. It's a true story, by the way. So the uh, the key there, too, with the insurance is so every year you wait, you know, you're going to be – or every six months, rather, it's going to be more expensive. And then health plays a role, too, right? So you can get to a certain point where you might not even be eligible to get a policy because of underlying health conditions. So uh, if you think insurance is something you want to look at, just just be careful, right? This is where it just – there's a lot of things we've seen over the years. I remember one story, John, somebody came to us, and um, they had a long-term care policy. And you and I were looking at it like, they don't need this. You know, why? They don't need this. Right. We did some digging and, and through the, the data gathering process figured out that uh, it was essentially sold to this person fraudulently. And we had to work with, this was in Indiana, we had to work with the state of Indiana Insurance Commission to get it fixed. And long story short, that client got back you know, significant sums of money that they paid into this policy right. for something they didn't need, but they were sold on the idea that it was what they needed. Mm-hmm. But they didn't need it, right? They had enough. So be careful when you're chopping this stuff around because there's not, a, you know, not everybody's, or on the surface, what it seems in terms of these coverages. So. Uh, the other thing, too, I think it, when we talk about the, the cost of care and what's happening right now here in central Ohio, about 80 grand a year, maybe 90,000 
for his nursing home. And that can vary across the board. When you see that adds up and you're later in life, that can get to, you know, half a million to a million bucks in terms of the cost. So more on this when we come back from the break. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is Tyler Cook, Tony Payne, and John Sestina with you today. Tony, you said you wanted to circle back for a moment and talk more about life insurance. Let's go right there. Yeah, when we talked about life insurance and perhaps what to do if a spouse passes, I know, John, one of the things you've taught us over the years is don't make any big decisions right away. I mean, you're going to need some time to adjust, find, agree, first of all, find out what the new life is going to feel like, look like. I mean, the idea of making big decisions on do I move, downsize, do I sell a business, these are all things that if you've planned ahead, hopefully you've bought yourself a year or so to just acclimate before you make any big decisions. That's so true, Tony. That's a time when so many widows and widowers get hustled. So you can't be making any investment decisions for sure. And that includes children and other family members. You can't be buying and selling children, Tony. No, no, not like that. No, no. I'm John, you got me there. I meant they're great business ideas. Yes. You know, they come to mom or they come to dad. And again, that spouse is lost. They've lost a parent. I've seen it time and again where they come with their great business idea now that perhaps the person who had been you know, administering some of the finances is not there, then they go to the other party with these great promises. And again, we've got to be protective sometimes of what we've built. And we see it time and again, where someone has this great business idea, and you've got to be able to know how to say no sometimes. Yeah, there's a great vulnerability when your kids come. Watch out, Tyler. Uh, yeah, when notes. You know, Brandon comes. Yeah. There's a, a, I know of a, an acquaintance where that actually happened. His son came back with an electronic company idea. This was the height of the internet and so forth. And he got his father to invest all of his personal money, all of his retirement money, and he borrowed from his insurance policies Mm. to invest it in his kid's business. Now you want to guess what happened? No, unfortunately. Uh, It's a sad story. He lost everything. Right. He 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 was bankrupt. He had to work again after he'd retired for several years. Sad, sad story. There's well, a lot of those. Well, it's, it's sad but true, right, in terms of the vulnerability that we see with people and, and that you, the stories like that. And I'm thinking a few other scenarios, too, where people have actually received the death benefit payouts, like the surviving oh, spouse yes. gets that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't have proof of this, but there's got to be some metrics or something to back this up. But when those large deposits go into bank accounts, right, million bucks come in, comes in to the checking account, right, that normally has 10 grand in it. You immediately become on the radar for wealth managers right. and people that are going to, you know, private bankers are going to call you. I, I swear that happens. And I, and I, it's from that standpoint too, that's, that's why I get so frustrated because that's a vulnerable time and it's a time to what sell a product and you get sold things you don't need because of the emotions and everything else. But it's flagged because you did the right thing. You had the life insurance there in this scenario, right? To fill that unfunded goal or, for, or to fund the unfunded goal in the future. But now you've got these predators. <laughs> Right? These vultures coming. Tyler, I don't know how to say, I'm not going to name names here, but at the same time, I went to the bank the other day and it was a brand new bank just built. 
There was a tiny little cashier window at the way back, and the rest of the bank had their other branded wealth management company on it. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got this whole bank branch there, but there's only one small teller window, and everything else is someone to sell product. And it's interesting how those companies are separate, according to the law and the government, but when you go in the door... It's the same building. It's the same people. They're all there. So it's interesting to your point, Tyler, whether it's revenue sharing or information sharing, you know, again, we get these privacy policies and we need to read them. I mean, we're required to give them too. And when you go through it, you see who the partners are that they can share data with. And that's how some of these calls come up when you get a large deposit. There are a lot of these companies we hear advertising, even on the radio, and uh, they'll say, you know, we're we're this, that, and the other thing. And then at the end of the commercial, they say associated with such and such a company that sells stuff. Yep. And that's just, you got to realize that's the same thing you're talking, Tony's talking about here. Uh, you got again, got to be your own advocate with all this. Right? It's that's your we're money trying to help. We're trying to help teach. No one cares more about your money than you do. That's right. We'd like to be second. I'd, I'd like to be second, but. That's hard. That's really hard. It really is. You've got to do it yourself. No matter what, you've got to do the homework. Yep. That's why we cause people to be involved. Yeah. Good point, John. Yeah, Both spouses, too. Yeah, that's it's right. not a one-person thing. That's why I've had, uh, whenever I have somebody comes to me on uh, on an interview, you know, I want to be a client, and he says, I want you to do it all. I don't want to be involved. I don't have time. I say, sorry, you're at the wrong place. That's you true. just know it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Yeah. You have to own it. It is your plan. Now, at the same time, though, when we're going through that long-term care stuff, that discussion and being aware of things, you know, when we think about an assisted living facility or nursing home, I mean, you've got to factor in even the nitty-gritty things here, like wanting to go home for holidays or family events. If you need to get out of that place, ask the question, what does it take to get out of here? There are times where you either have to pay a really large fee to pay for the ambulance and the medical person to go with you, or they just won't let you out. They'll say, no, we were entrusted with your care. We can't safely guarantee you can go to Chuck E. Cheese, which is absurd, but that's the way it works. So you've got to be aware before you make these big decisions, what could be the consequences? That's why we like freedom, control. That's why when Bobby and I were looking at these various nursing homes, and one of them at least, uh, would not allow the people to leave to go across the street to a restaurant. Okay. Okay. I mean, there's, there's such restrictions that blow your mind. Or if you're out of there because you have an illness, you had to go see a specialist, and you're out for, say, a week, then you lose your bedtime. And so that disturbs all that other. I was talking to somebody recently who, who lives in one of those continuing retirement care communities. And uh, because of COVID, shocker, right? Can't find workers. And so they're, they're down about 30 to 40 staff members. And it's not just, you know, people in the cafeteria and doing that type of stuff. Right. It's actual nurses and people that are providing the care. So, again, if you're, if you're looking at one of those continuing care communities as a source or a way to, to, to plan for long-term care, uh, which certainly we, they're popping up all over here, right? They're all across mm-hmm. the country. Um, so it's becoming more popular. Just, just know what you're going to get into with that, too, um, because there's the large upfront fee, half a million to a million bucks. That's not unusual these days plus an ongoing monthly kind of rent payment, plus your other costs that you're still going to have, whether it's Wi-Fi right. and everything else. In some cases, you're effectively signing over all your Social Security, any pension you get, all your benefits, because they don't want to kick people out. Right. So they need that promise that we'll at least get something, and usually that means you're giving up control. Yeah, uh, there, and there's a, few, there's a few companies I've seen that have refund options, right? So there are some options where you can get some of your money back, but I think it'd be pretty rare to get the full amount back 
Well, even uh, when you're in the facility, you have to be careful. What is your food options? Right. So they serve three meals a day. If you do not attend, you don't get it. You get no refund and you can't accumulate it. So can I have two desserts on my lunch today because I didn't have breakfast? No, you can't do that. Right. It's it's crazy. You got to pay attention. These are the things, too, you perhaps never think about if you didn't plan ahead. And it's while you've got your wits about you and you've got your spouse and you can talk through it, these are the best times to plan ahead. Right. You know, even if it's early on and you're just interviewing facilities. I mean, I've had couples where they go and they interview these cup, uh, facilities, and it's like a college campus tour. Yeah. I mean, you get shown around with all the bells and whistles and all the ability to shop around. It's a great thing. Don't perhaps, forget the pre-meals before yeah, and the little yeah, banquets yeah. and Good stuff. Good point, John. Yeah, but it's it's a nice thing to plan ahead. I did enjoy that. Is okay. that where they gave you the Chardonnay and so you, you know? No, no Chardonnay. No. Just, you know, soda. Well, they, they should try that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the reason why people go into those communities, too, is because they recognize that there may be a need in the future. They don't want to burden their family. Those are all great reasons, too. Mm-hmm. But right now, by 2050... Okay, by the year 2050, the cost of three years of long-term care is expected to be $700,000 for one person. I'll be looking for you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not changing, right? That's not changing. The costs going are up. not going yeah. down. Well, we're coming up to the end of the show. John, thanks so much for the commentary and the content. Appreciate it. Tony, thank you. We'll be back next week with another great show. A lot of topics to uh, discuss. And be sure to visit the website, managingtobewealthy.com. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.